0: news network a virus surfaces and the elites shut down the world with a cocktail of lies deceptions pressures threats and violence locking up the tellers of truth like political prisoners of the cold war well here we are telling the truth fighting the fight the lies the deception tnn the truth news network and your fearless leader is Dan Newman.
1: Fear is our greatest enemy right now. Fear is pretty much our greatest enemy all the time. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week here at TNN Live, a production of www.truthnewsnet.org. We're so thankful you joined us today. And of course, we're thankful to have you aboard every day. Let me tell you what's ahead today. We're going to put aside our fears. We're, we're going to keep the caution because it—you know it's always safe to be cautious, especially when you're facing big issues that require big and very important decisions. We're going to do all of that, but we are going to unpeel some of the layers off the onions in some very critical areas of our lives. That, of course, has to do with COVID-19 and all things related to that. It has to do with vaccinations. Oh, by the way, it has to do with the Centers for Disease Control and that expert of all experts to do with medicine that has anything to do with viruses and medications, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yeah, we're going to do all that, plus we have a whole lot more. You know about that massive infrastructure bill that the Democrats put together and they're pushing and have been pushing to get a hearing together in the um, US Senate talking about little tidbits, little nuggets that Democrats want to tell the American people about that are contained in that infrastructure bill and they're demanding a vote. Oh, we we gotta vote on this thing. We gotta do that quickly. We've gotta give the American people the infrastructure changes. We've gotta shore this nation back together, our crumbling interstates and bridges. 2,702 pages it was revealed over the weekend. And it wasn't the Democrat Party or Democrat leaders in Congress that released it. Somebody at the White House that did not have official authority to release it, released it to the media. Which brings up a huge question. This is the biggest bill that's ever been considered in this U.S. Congress and it's 2,702 pages long. They're demanding a vote by the end of this week. You know what that means? We're going to get into this a bit later, but what it means is, folks, there will not be one member of the United States Congress, not one, 535, 435 in the House, 100 in the Senate. Not one member of Congress is capable of even reading a 2,702-page bill, yet alone, if you've ever looked at a bill the way it's written. And, oh, by the way, we're going to post this bill today on our website in PDF format for you to download. Take a peek yourself. We have it. 2,702 pages. And the biggest thing that's common within all of these bills that Congress puts together is within each clause, each section, each paragraph. There's always reference to another bill, which would be another article, another section, part B. Tart. So to get the consensus of the meaning of everything in these bills, it takes days and weeks and months for people to dig through and find out what's hidden in these bills. Already, folks, this one is riddled with Not just pork, but dead, cold giveaways of taxpayer money. And it's even more than that. It ratchets down the power and control of the government over you and me. Now, that probably comes as no surprise to people that are listening to this show and are regulars. You expect nothing different from that, from the far left. But again, every time some conversation like this is required to happen... It's happening because totalitarianism. I can't believe I'm even saying that. Yet alone even considering it. Totalitarianism is knocking on the doors of the home of Lady Liberty. Liberty. We always said, "Oh, we've got to, we've got to run. We've got to hide. We've got to fight. We've got to teach our kids that we can't go the way of all of those nations and." history, world history that have invited the totalitarian gods to come in and they always come in if you open the door and then they destroy the countries from the inside. Not one, not one country that ever started its slide to the left by using the term socialist or democratic socialism, not one of those nations exists today. They're unsustainable. That whole process, that whole mindset is unsustainable. So what what is going on now? What is the common thread through all of this stuff that we're hearing? Egregious lockdowns. We're facing more lockdowns in the nation at the hands of COVID-19. Pretty much all based on lies. We're going to get into that. Even some more were revealed through the weekend. But let's just jump forward a few weeks, maybe a few months, but not too much past the beginning of fall. Folks, there's pending revolution in the air in the United States. You can smell it. What is it that that I say you can smell? Well, it's a growing sense of anger, of frustration, and futility, of not just a few, but tens of millions of Americans who every day find themselves caught in a web of misinformation spun by America's medical experts about everything COVID-19. That's the current biggie that we have on our plate. That's the biggest of the biggies that we have on our plate to deal with. The stench as this COVID-19 indoctrination has become has little to do with processing information that we hear from our government, but results from their constant reversals of, you know, that thing, the science that they demand we accept as undeniable facts. And what exacerbates the futility of this are those life-changing demands Americans hear and were forced to implement that have cost us all dearly during the past two years only to discover after the fact the science we heard that they preached to us months, weeks, and sometimes just days ago is really not science at all. So what is it? Listen closely to this, folks. It's the opinions of some of these people who have a medical title or two have an important appointed position in some prestigious medical or government entity. Their titles and their job titles are what are supposed to justify our certain and demanded compliance with each of their edicts that they give to us. It's just a matter of time. How long? I don't know. But it is just a matter of time before the boiling cauldron of Americans' emotions spills over into the landscape of cities and towns across the nation. I'm certain that boiling point will be reached, and I think that day's not far off. Think about it. Can you even put a number on the lies we've heard from Dr. Anthony Fauci, President Biden, leaders in Congress, governors, mayors, that have resulted in dramatic life changes for several hundred million of us. There have been so many that we've just become numb. It's like, oh, well, here's another one. And then, of course, there's the news. The most cheerful headline I've seen in weeks was on Glenn Reynolds' New York Post column. The title, No, Karen, We're Not Masking Again. I love that. I hope he's right. But I do wonder. I have no doubt that the second part of his headline, which says this, a winning GOP message for 2022 and beyond. I hope it's correct. At least it's correct if it is expressed as a conditional. It would be a winning strategy if it's adopted. As Reynolds, Glenn Reynolds noted in that New York Post column, There's a great deal of pent-up frustration and resentment over the inconvenience, the loss of freedom, and the general climate of rage that the government's pandemic response has created. Indeed. And he's right, too. A couple examples. It's irritating to be lectured by officials who claim to be smarter than we are. It's infuriating to be lectured by government officials who claim to be smarter than you but clearly are not. And then the on-again, off-again claims on masks and vaccination are just part of it. Are you tired of masks? Get vaccinated, they tell us. Now they're saying wear a mask even if you've been vaccinated and even if you're associating with others who've been vaccinated. You still got to wear a mask. And then there's always this, talk of more lockdowns which a growing body of scientific evidence suggests, were perfectly useless and downright harmful. Is there any hope that we'll be successful wading through this political quagmire and get across and out of this swamp? Regarding the question of hope, I'm reminded that hope was said by some cynics to have been the last evil in Pandora's story. Remember that one? It seems like only yesterday, in fact, it was just May, just a couple of months ago, that both the president and the vice president insisted that, as Joe himself put it, and this is a quote from the press, folks, if you're fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Of course, that was more than a year after. Oh, just 15 days to slow the spread. Remember that one? Anthony Fauci's steady stream of contrictatory, though authoritatively delivered advice and scientific data not to mention the recent advent of the Delta variant and the Lambda one coming from South America from Peru which is far more deadly than the Delta variant and it really is folks it's going to be worse it was the New York Post again That cut to the chase on the latest with its cover of July 30th. Here's the title Insanity with an exclamation point. Read its oversized headline, and below was a large grid with a little bitty tiny upper right square marked. Of the 161 million people who have been vaccinated, only 5,601 have been hospitalized with the new version of the virus. Of those, only 1,141 have died. That's 0007 percent And how old, you may wonder, were those who succumbed? And from what comorbidities did they suffer? They don't tell us any of that. Now it turns out the latest CDC advice was based largely on one outbreak bet you haven't heard this anywhere else, an outbreak at Provincetown after the informal party time of Bear Week in early July. Andrew Sullivan treated the news the skepticism it deserves. In fact, as another commentator pointed out, what the Provincetown outbreak really shows is that even under perfect conditions for some super spreader event, The vaccine works spectacularly well. But even to talk about studies and statistics and expert advice is to assume that we are talking primarily about an issue of public health. We're not, folks. We're not. So consider this list from Jim Treacher. One, absolutely do not wear a mask. Two, You must, must, must wear a mask or you're killing grandma. Number three, don't leave the house or you're killing grandma. Number four, if you can't avoid leaving the house, stay at least six feet away from any other human being you see or you're killing grandma. Five, wash your hands 20 times a day. Six, do not touch your face or anything else ever again. 7. Get vaccinated so you don't have to wear a mask. 8. You have to wear a mask even if you got vaccinated. 9. When the above rules change and then change back and then change back again and keep changing, shut up about it or you're a stupid MAGA head. 10. Don't forget to vote Democrat. Of course, the last item is more often left unspoken than it is overtly expressed, but it is an assumption that pulls together the whole shifting kaleidoscope of contradictory advice. Treacher is right. This isn't about science. It's about control. You will do as you're told, peasants, and your moral, ethical, and intellectual betters will continue to do whatever they please. I think Glenn Reynolds is correct that opposing the tyrannous spirit that stands behind the lockdowns, the mask mandates, and the smug, intimidating, politically correct demands for proof of vaccination would be a winning strategy for GOP politicians. But here's a big question Are they going to adopt it? Now, most of them will tentatively, if they do at all. That's my prediction. I mean, look, look at what we saw with Donald Trump. I mean, the never-Trumpers, remember, there were a bunch of them that they kind of moved back away from, oh, we can't support this billionaire. He doesn't know anything about government. And then as they watched and listened and saw the American people turn his way, wanting somebody different in power in Washington, D.C., and then what made it even tougher for them to hold out was when After he was elected, he started getting some really good stuff done that he promised he was going to do when he was campaigning. They're not used to that. We're going to see a bunch of that. Last year, a book was published by Joel Kotkin called The Coming of Neo-Feudalism, A Warning to the Global Middle Class. It's an interesting perspective. Some people thought Kotkin was overstating things with his talk of an increasingly divided society in which a little bitty elite group lorded it over an increasingly pauperized and disenfranchised mass of underlings. It turns out, though, that if anything, Kotkin understated the trends. The weaponization of public health dictates their enforcement by a vast and increasingly overbearing mob of nanny state bureaucrats is simply the latest manifestation of the profoundly anti-democratic spirit that has taken hold here in the U.S. Not just here, folks, other Western nations. This weekend, I saw, I saw some live video being shot from down under Australia Folks, Australia's government has locked down. When I say locked down, totally locked down the whole nation of Australia. I watched as military helicopters flew over the beaches in several big beach areas across Australia. And what they were doing were flying over these beaches and they were over an intercom flying really, really low. And anybody that was on the beach, they were threatening them with arrest if they didn't get off the beach and get back in their homes. It's all about social control. And at some point, I promise you this, there will be a revolt. The longer the arbitrary insanity persists, the more violent the reaction is going to be. The question is, whether we are at or are approaching that point of crisis. Will the voters stand for another lockdown as we head up to the 2022 election? I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. We're going to have one. We're going to have another total lockdown before the 2022 election in November. Lockdowns dramatically increase the opportunities for voter fraud. Remember that? 2020 proved that. That is precisely why the swamp is prepping us for another go. Let's see if we stand by grumbling without taking action, or if, finally, we actually do something. Now, those of you who know me, you know that I am certainly not a pessimist. But I'm not holding my breath for this. (laughs) Does that sound like a pessimist? Okay. I'm not a pessimist, but I'm pessimistic about this one thing. I'm not desperate, folks. I'm not, because we're going to be okay. Somehow, we're going to be okay. We'll get through this, and we'll get through it together, but what we've got to do is keep turning over those rocks, looking for those tidbits of factual information that we can use I mean, we've got to be willing. We've got to be open-minded. And when they say, oh, you gotta, you got to listen to the science, force them to give us the science and not tell us what the science says. Give it to us. No, we're not a scientist, but very few people that are telling us what to do and not to do based on science, very few of those people are scientists themselves. You know who the most confused throughout this entire thing People in our society are the absolute top of the heap that don't get it. People in the medical community themselves, they're stonewalled from facts. They, just like you and I, are being pounded on to listen to the science. And then who gives the science? Well, in large part, folks, it's people like Dr. Anthony Fauci and other far-left sycophants that are in this for some hidden purpose that we can't yet get our arms around, but we know it's out there. So if you think you're confused, what about America's healthcare workers, frontline healthcare workers? You know, hospitals all across the nation are now requiring their employees get vaccinations as a condition of staying employed there. It hasn't gotten to the point yet where they're firing people. But we are so close, so close. So, what do some of these healthcare workers say and think about the vaccinations and whether or not they should get it? Over the weekend, a group of three got together on a TV talk show and answered that exact
2: question. Show of hands, how many of you have gotten a COVID vaccine? These are four healthcare workers from different hospitals in North Carolina. Why not?
3: We don't know what the long-term side effects are. It also hasn't been proven to be effective.
2: The CDC and many public health experts say that it's more than 90% effective.
3: They
4: do say that. <laughs> that hasn't proven to me to be true i'm not going to just jump on a bandwagon with something that has not been tested when
2: you say that it hasn't been tested it has been tested though
4: but not to the if you look at the normal the normal year span of how long something is tested it's usually 12 to 14 years before it comes to humans
2: across the country about one in four healthcare care workers still isn't vaccinated against covid and from north carolina to texas to new york anti-mandate protests are mounting.
5: I don't trust it right now.
2: So is the pushback.
5: This is in the category
0: of give me a bleeping break. Uh, When did everyone get a medical degree?
2: For weeks, we've spoken with many overworked healthcare workers who practically begged Americans to get the shot. What do you tell people who just don't believe
3: you? It's frustrating.
2: Not these. They say they're not anti-vax, more anti-mandate
3: and I'm not comfortable putting something into my body until
2: I am ready. If and when I'm ready to get the vaccine, I will get it on my own accord. I won't be forced. You just don't trust the CDC.
3: I do not trust the CDC. Absolutely not.
2: And that fuels their skepticism.
3: I have the right to question anybody in this country. I want to question. Mm-hmm.
2: You're entitled to earn your opinion, but these are facts.
3: Are they, though? Mm-hmm. Are they facts?
1: Great question. Are they facts? Were you with us on Friday morning when we had Dr. Fleming, Richard Fleming, on with us, who, by the way, is an accomplished, very, very qualified epidemiologist, virologist. He doesn't even treat patients any longer. He does research. You hear these uh, stories that come from the FDA where, you know, somebody does something, creates a medicine, uh, creates a new medical invention, and it goes there to be approved by the FDA, and they send that application out to peer reviewers around the nation, a handpicked group of people that are experts in many fields of medicine. Dr. Richard Fleming is in the top five on that list. He's connected. He sees a lot. If you weren't here Friday and didn't hear him talk to us about all this stuff that we're talking about right now, you need to go back and listen to that show. Um, you can grab the podcast at Spotify. Spotify podcast, also Apple podcast, and you just put in the search bar TNN Live. That's the name of this show, TNN Live. And go back to Fridays. And when you pull it up and you get ready to play it, he was at the top of our second hour, 10 o'clock. So fast forward about halfway through. But listen to what Dr. Fleming talked to us about. Principally, what I want to point out to you is I ask him the question, what's the legality of all this hard, stiff push to force Americans to be vaccinated? And he made it very clear it's unconstitutional. He even gave us article in the section of the Constitution that makes it very clear the government does not have control over our health care and the choices that we make about our own bodies. They don't. So there's going to be some pushback when this all comes to a head, no doubt about it, about the emergency piece of all of this. Have you noticed how in the last three weeks, maybe four, it seems like the pressure from government is growing and growing and growing. And from every part of their messaging system, which would be, Members of Congress, Democrats primarily, up there screaming and hollering at all Americans, if you love your fellow man, get a vaccination. It's not taking care of just you. You're killing everybody else. The President of the United States actually said that. If you're unvaccinated, you're killing other people. And it gets more and more serious, more and more aggressive. You know what? to me is tied directly to that, the cause and effect thing. Their predictions about people that would be vaccinated, the percentages are going down. Why is that? Because more and more Americans are actually digging and asking questions, like you just heard those four hospital frontline healthcare workers. They're skeptical. They haven't allowed themselves to be vaccinated yet. And they bring up some very salient and truthful points in the conversation Normally, when a a vaccine of any kind is developed, it takes years of human trials, finding and watching for side effects in drugs and making the drug companies in many cases when these uh, uh, human trials take place, make changes in the medication to adjust to stop those adverse effects of those vaccines. The average time from the beginning of development to get to market through FDA trials and 100% total approval is a minimum of 10 years. 1 year? 1 year? And what about the adverse effects of the vaccines? You know what the latest number is as of last Friday? COVID vaccination deaths. J&J 635. This is since January 1. 635. Moderna, 3,090. Pfizer, 8,185. Unknown source of the vaccine or what type it was, 42. In the U.S., 5,612. In the U.K., 6,328. A total reported of 11,946. Now, what this comes from the CDC, folks, from the Centers for Disease Control, from their website. These are the numbers they report. This same process, the Verr's process, has been in existence since 1990, and they test adverse reactions from every vaccine and throw them in a bucket. Since January 1st, more than more people have died from these Moderna, J&J, and Pfizer vaccinations than have since 1990 adding together every year's deaths from every other vaccination of every kind in just seven months. That doesn't raise a warning in your head. 12,000 people, folks, that we know, and they tell us, they've told us from the beginning in disclosure, this number they estimate is going to be 10 times less than the actual number out there. Now, if you've had a vaccination, what does this mean to you? Folks, fear should not drive our boats. Fear never helps us make a good choice. Well, I say never. If you're being charged by a grizzly, you probably need to run. I'm just saying. And there are people that will argue with that. <laughs> if you look up and see a bucket of paint falling off a five-story building at you, fear of getting killed probably would result in you stepping a few steps out of the way. What I'm saying is, folks, it's really difficult to make good, concise evidence-based decisions when you're making them full of fear. Don't let fear take over your mind. Don't do it. You'll not get anything accomplished. It will never end up, very seldom ever end up in a good thing for you. Push. Find facts. Get evidence. Even if it's bad, find out what's going on, something that you're confident in. And then make that part of your thought process. And look, don't go over the reservation. I mean, don't don't just jump over the cliff over anything. Be open and objective while you're looking for that answer. And when you find it, be open and objective to listen to and consider other thoughts and other opinions that come in about it. And just because you think it's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But just because you think something's right doesn't necessarily make it right. I hope in every case you hit the hammer, hit the nail on the head when you come up with these decisions, good or bad, right or wrong. What you got to do is be right more times than you're wrong. Wow. So what about Dr. Fauci? We got some Fauci news from the weekend. I know it'll probably come as no surprise to you. He was all over television this past weekend. Why? Because he's America's medical expert. He's on Joe Biden, President Biden's team, on everything to do with COVID-19. There's nobody on planet Earth that knows more about COVID-19 than does Anthony Fauci. You know how I know that? Anthony Fauci told us that. Got that and a whole lot more. Big news from the border. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. Meet Phil Sklar, co-founder of the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame
5: and Museum. Our dream is to make Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the bobblehead capital of the world.
0: At American Family Insurance, we believe your dreams are the most valuable things you will ever own. So today, we're supporting Phil's dream.
2: If people would like to be a part of the bobblehead dream, we take donations in money or bobbleheads.
0: Every dream deserves a champion.
2: Find yours at amfam.com.
0: American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company and its affiliates. 6,000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin, 53783.
4: It seems like every summer starts with a song. Maybe it's one we heard on the radio during our morning drive. Or maybe it was playing in the cafe we ducked into for lunch. Wherever they catch us, certain songs seem to take us away. Songs of waves and sand, of forests and hillsides, of growing up and growing old. Songs that get in our heads and make us smile as we hum them to ourselves. Songs of the sun coming up and the ragtop going down. Of friends we just met and the ones we'll have for life. Songs that define the moments, like the ones we find in Michigan, where we take our someday list and start to check things off. A day spent gliding on a sailboat, floating on a pontoon, and climbing over that next hill. A rhythm that takes us somewhere better, somewhere like pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Long live the courageous,
0: the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck forever with the strength young. to overcome. May the will to outwork, work. And the commitment stay to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. He's got the inside scoop on what's really happening in DC. The Truth News Network. Here's Dan.
1: Back at it, folks. On the phone with us now, we just got a call during the break from Richard in Tulsa. Richard, are you there?
5: Yes, I am. You said you...
1: you, Hey, how you doing? You said you had um, comments about the opening that we did. I'd love to hear it. Please share it.
5: Yeah, I had to write it out just to keep it decent to uh, present on, on your show. But uh, it, inf- it infuriates me that President Biden, uh, national TV, pleads for Americans to get vaccinated, he implies that unvaccinated Americans are the cause for the rapid spread of the variant. And the only way to end this crisis is to vaccinate. Yet this president opens our southern border to illegals to walk boldly across unvaccinated, no mask, no problem. Come on in. And you've, and I believe you've mentioned that we've had a million illegals cross our border in the past six months. Now, in my opinion, the, the audacity that he has to chastise Americans when he, when president Biden in reality is the most incompetent, irresponsible president we've had in my lifetime of 74 years.
1: Richard, that's, I would... Th- that's I w- the end of my statement. I would. Uh, I, I appreciate that, and I don't go away. I want to chat with you about this for a minute. Um, I honestly think it would be fair, based upon the definition of those on the left, that we could call Joe Biden president super-spreader because of exactly what you just mentioned. I no-
5: agree. I agree totally. And, and a further thought, in, in, in my opinion... We heard four years of how irresponsible and dangerous and President Trump was, and this guy is spreading all these people across the United States. If there's anybody that should be impeached for lack of responsibility to the American public and American citizens, to me, it should be this president,
1: the sad, my opinion. The sad thing about it, though, Richard, is they control the House, they control the Senate, they would never it doesn't matter what joe biden never would do he will never be impeached as long as democrats control both houses of congress they just will never let it happen and you know what i I've, I've got a lot of respect for you you've 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 called in before you're you're up there in oklahoma you're in the middle of america and you see the good and the bad because you're out there circulating it seems like all of our decisions about the important things in Americans' lives are made inside that little beltway or you know, that goes around the Potomac River up there, and they're insulated from the facts of life. Just imagine if Joe Biden's grandkids happened to live in a ranch on the southern border of South Texas or New Mexico or Arizona. Do you think he'd be letting this happen like that? Not at all. Not at all. That's that's the stupidity
5: of this whole thing. I feel terribly sorry for those folks down there. You know, We see a lot of influx of, of uh, that happening here, I'm sure, in Oklahoma. Um, not to the extent they're seeing it, but it, it's just disgusting the way it's allowed to happen.
1: Richard, I so appreciate you sharing this today, and uh, I know you're a regular listener. We appreciate you listening in. Call back any time.
5: You bet. You have a great day. Thanks.
1: Thank you, man. Richard from Tulsa, one of the patriots up there. Um, I know who Richard is. I've, I've never met him, but I know who he is. And like he said, even Oklahoma's in the epicenter of all of this chaos and this misinformation that's being passed around initiated from the white house. We got a story over the weekend that a bunch more of border patrol agents In Texas, as a matter of fact, have tested positive for COVID. Why is that happening? It's because this administration is allowing so many, over 8,000 more than 8,000 illegal immigrants showed up at the border over this weekend. Now think about that. 8,000. How many more? It's estimated that an equal number are actually slipping through So if that holds true in this particular case, 16,000 illegals came into the U.S. over the weekend. And I will dare to say, and we'll never know if this is true or not, because they will not give us good information. I dare to say none of them were tested right when they came across the border, not a single one. So what's going to happen? Mr. Lockdown Americans... Mr. You got to wear a mask, Mr. You're going to kill somebody if you're unvaccinated just because you refuse to get a vaccine. Yet, Joe Biden, President of the United States, on his watch, at least one million illegal immigrants have crossed the southern border, at least I say, because we don't know if that's the true number. Based upon government's own explanations, it probably isn't. But let's just say that is the number. A million people? We don't know anything about them. We're finding out when we can get information from Border Patrol agents. And they've been locked down about giving out information themselves by the Biden administration. We're finding out that we are actually letting in 61 different nations' illegals across the southern border. They make us think It's the Northern Triangle countries of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, and some from Mexico that are coming in. Not so. They're coming from all around the world. We have no idea who they are. We don't know what their backgrounds are. They're not vetted. Novel idea. A legal immigration center where somebody, a whole system where somebody that wants to come from another country, they make an application. We have some laws that require that. Yet this president... And those in administration who all swore an oath to the Constitution, Congressman Mike Johnson was on here with us not last week, but the week before. And I asked him to come on to discuss that very fact. He's a constitutional attorney. And I asked him point blank, how can any member of the federal government, especially an elected official, how can they get away with not just not enforcing laws, but purposely thumbing their nose at the laws themselves and suborning criminality by opening the doors and inviting these people come in. How can we stop that? And you know what Mike Johnson said? The voter's tool is impeachment. But within the scenario we're living in right now, as I just told Richard, we can't impeach Don, uh, Joe Biden because the House would have to initiate Articles of impeachment, pass them in the House, and then they'd go to the Senate where a trial would take place if the Senate voted to take it up. It's not going to happen because Democrats control them both. So for us average Joes in the American outback, wherever we are outside of D.C., we don't have much power to do anything. We are supposed to be able to trust those we elect to send to D.C. to represent us and our purposes and our causes. But in large part, it's only about government and power and wealth and all that goes with it. Servanthood by most people in Congress is long gone, if it was ever there. So Fauci back in the news, and folks with all the pressures that had been placed on him as he's been revealed to lie again and again before Congress, which is a felony if convicted of it. Of course, this Congress, as we just said, is controlled by Democrats. Nothing's going to happen to Fauci. Over the weekend, yesterday on ABC's This Week, Fauci said that Americans who are unwilling to wear face masks indoors. Now listen to this. Fauci says that, I'm one of them, I'm not going to wear a mask. In my state, Louisiana has per capita become the number one new COVID case producer of all 50 states, but not my part of the state. I'm not going to wear a mask. I haven't had COVID. I'm confident that I have the antibodies because I've been around people that have had COVID, bad cases, including my wife. I never got it. So my assumption, based on the science that I know, and I know as much about my body as Fauci does. How about that? I'm not going to wear a mask. So Fauci said this, if you refuse to wear a mask indoors, you, in doing that, are encroaching on other individual rights because you're making those people you interface with vulnerable to getting infected with COVID-19. So guest host John Carl asked Fauci, quote, I want to ask you about the reaction we've seen from prominent Republican governors. We've seen Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, Republican Governor Abbott of Texas, Governor Ducey in Arizona push back strongly against any notion of mask requirements. Let me read you a quote from Governor Ducey in Arizona. He said, quote, Arizona does not allow mask mandates, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, or discrimination in schools based on who is or who isn't vaccinated. They are arguing, now this is John Carl again, they are arguing that this is individual responsibility and individual's right to decide. What is your answer to these? You know, these are Republican governors in some of the largest states in our country. Before I give you Fauci's response, what you just heard, John Carl, listen, to this, this is important. Carl asked this. He lays out all that stuff, and then this is the point of the conversation. He asked Fauci, what is your answer to these? You know, these are Republican governors in some of the largest states in our country. In other words, John Carl, like every other leftist that gets a microphone or a television camera, they have to do what Biden said he would never do when he was running for president. They are dividing Americans based on something they create as justification to divide us. So without coming out and saying this, John Carl said, you know these idiots are Republicans, and these Republican governors, they're some of the largest states in our country with the most people, and they're killing all their people because they're stupid. And Fauci responded, well, John, I disagree with them. I respectfully disagree with them. The fact is, there are things that are individual responsibilities that one has, and there are things that have to do with you individually, which also impact others. And the spread of infection that we're seeing now, the surge in cases, John, is impacting everyone in the country. So, although you want to respect a person's individual right, when you're dealing with the public health situation, and we are, in fact, in a very serious public health challenge here with a pandemic, with a virus that has an extraordinary capability of spreading rapidly and efficiently from person to person. So a person's individual decision to not wear a mask not only impacts them, because if they get infected, even though they say it's my decision if I get infected, I'll worry about that then. But the fact is, if you get infected, even if you are without symptoms, you very well may infect another person who may be vulnerable, who may get seriously ill. So in essence, you are encroaching on their individual rights because you're making them vulnerable. So you could argue the situation both ways. Here's the conundrum that keeps coming up again and again and again and again. Do we as human beings... Do we as human beings make each and every decision we make in our lives based solely on this one thing? What if? What if? Have you thought about that? What if this happens? What if I do this? What if what if, and and you don't have real solid hard answers on the what if? Yeah, there are a lot of potential things that can happen in a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons. And so the human process of handling that, hoping that we make more good decisions than we do bad, is to look at the entire set of circumstances as they pertain to you in your world. So what Fauci is intimating with that insulting response to john carl what he's intimating is i know better than mr jones from or richard from tulsa i know better than he does what's best for him and so he's stupid he's evil if he doesn't listen to me i'm going to tell richard what he should do his choices based upon what I think not facts what I think is the case to be and because I'm Dr. Fauci I can do that did you read our little short post yesterday at TNN Truth News Network excuse me I got a frog in my throat it's real short. Let me read it to you. This kind of deals with exactly what I just said about Fauci and John Carl. Our choices and our decisions, that's what we're talking about. Anybody out there who can tell me what our end game is with COVID? I mean, what are we doing? What's, what's our target? What is the end game? I mean, what is the magic formula that is going to allow us to sound the all clear? Is it zero in cases? The only way that's ever going to happen is if we stop testing and stop reporting folks, it's a virus viruses are going to be around. I don't think we'll ever stamp them all out. Is it a vaccine? Well, <laughs> We've got three of them here, but put that in, in the context of history in the United States, it took 25 years for a chicken pox vaccine to be developed. The smallpox vaccination. It was discovered in 1796, and the last known natural case of smallpox in the U.S. was in 1977. That's almost 200 years, folks. We have a flu vaccine today, and it's only from 40 to 60 percent effective, and less than half of the U.S. population choose to get one Roughly 20,000 Americans will die of the flu or flu complications every year, and we've got a vaccine. Government's going to mandate it. That's where they're headed. They want to mandate, make us all get vaccines. And they're going to make it so that, you know, you got to have a vaccination to go to school, to travel anywhere in the United States on commercial airline or bus or train, some foreign countries, et cetera. They're going to do that. So we already have a big number and a growing number of anti-vaxxers refusing testing, refusing well-known vaccines that have been administered for decades. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about all the other ones. They've been administered. They've been tested. We know what some of the side effects are, but even those aren't necessarily safe. Do you really think people are going to flock to a fast tracked, quickly tested vaccine whose long term side effects and overall efficacy aren't anybody's best get even now, after how many? 19, 20 months now? How long are we going to cancel and postpone and reconsider? You're not doing in person school until second quarter? What if October's numbers are the same as August? What are we going to do? You move football to the spring. What happens if next March is worse than this March was? What are you going to do then? When do we decide quality of life outweighs the risk? That's a big one. When are we going to decide that the quality of our lives outweigh the risk? And we don't even know. This is the conundrum that is just killing me. I just can't believe Americans are allowing this. We don't know for certain what those risks are because we keep getting conflicting stories. I understand COVID can be deadly or very dangerous for some people, but so are strawberries And so is shellfish. We take risk multiple times every day and we don't even think about them. Not even a second thought. Like we know driving a car can be dangerous. Well, we don't just leave it in the garage because it might be dangerous. Many folks speed and a bunch of others don't wear seatbelts. We know the dangers of smoking, drinking, and eating fried foods. And we do it anyway. Is hugging grandma really more dangerous than rush hour on the freeway? Is going out with friends after work riskier than four-day-old gas station sushi? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, I get sick thinking about that one. Or how about operating a chainsaw? I have a good friend, Terry Bradshaw's younger brother, Craig. He was using a bandsaw out on their farm. He grew up outside of Shreveport, Louisiana. And he fired up that bandsaw and he went down and he put it down directly in front of him on a log to cut the log. And there was a knot when the blade hit it and it bounced back. That chainsaw almost killed Craig. It cut him just below his nose, through his lips, through his chin, down his neck, into his upper chest, and was really, really close to his heart. Pretty dangerous operating a chainsaw, right? When and how did we so quickly lose our free will and give up our liberties? Is there I mean, we're all into signing waivers. Is there one somewhere, a waiver that I can sign that says, I understand the risk, but I choose a life with hugs and smiles and the state fair and to go to church and hug my mom in a retirement home? I choose that. I understand there's a minuscule possibility I could die. But I most likely, I'll end up feeling like crap for a few days if I get it. That's the big, big percentage that the facts say are out there. I understand I could possibly pass it on to someone else, if I'm not careful. But I can pass any virus on to somebody else. I'm struggling to see where or how this ends. We either get busy living or we get busy dying. I guess I'd rather spend my time enjoying life and living in the moment and not worrying about the what ifs and the maybes. What about you? And guess what? We all have that choice. At least we all have that choice right now. But our government on Dr. Fauci's watch, they're hard at it, folks. They're hard at trying to convince us that if we don't listen to them, if we don't lock down, if we don't all get this jab, we're going to die. And then there's this, folks, in the context of what we're talking about right now. Listen to this Fauci yesterday discussed new CDC data. That showed the levels of coronavirus in breakthrough cases of the Delta variant. You know, that one that now they're using to scare us to death worse than before. The levels of coronavirus in those cases among those who are fully vaccinated. Listen to this his terms. Those coronaviruses in those that are fully vaccinated are identical to the level seen among unvaccinated individuals. That kind of breaks the narrative, right? He was on Face the Nation yesterday. He stressed that the majority of breakthrough cases involving the Delta variant saw minimal symptoms or even no symptoms at all. So a guy named John Dickerson was a guest host. He asked Fauci, what the CDC reasoning was for recommending masks be worn by both vaccinated and unvaccinated people indoors. And Fauci just, oh, he just kept on pontificating. What we learned that's new, John, in answer to your question, is that when you look at the level of virus in the nasopharynx of people who are vaccinated, who get breakthrough infections, it's really quite high. And it's equivalent to the level of virus in the nasopharynx of unvaccinated people who get infected. Now, Fauci just spit that out like, oh, it's no big deal. It's the same. So why the heck are they screaming, get vaccinated? And if you don't get vaccinated, they tell us the Delta variant is going to kill you. And then now they're telling us you've got the exact same level of coronavirus in your nozzle, your nasopharynx." if you're not vaccinated, as if someone is vaccinated. So what the heck is the use for the vaccination? Fauci said they they found this out, and it differs from what was observed in cases involving the alpha variant. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we know now that vaccinated people who get breakthrough infections can spread the virus to other people the fundamental basis for the CDC modifying their guidelines and saying, now, if you're in an area of a high substantial trend of level of virus, namely a red or an orange zone, when you're in an indoor public setting, you need to wear a mask. That's the fundamental reason for that change. Now, let me put one little more piece in context with this. Have you ever watched or seen, had your car painted, or you've watched a show and it shows somebody painting a car and they're in a paint booth? How do they do that? What do they prepare themselves personally for? Well, there's a lot of you know bad stuff in paint when it gets in the air. And so they wear these suits. It keeps them from getting exposed, their sin getting exposed to the paint. They wear mask but they wear hundred percent effective masks that stop any transmission in or any transmission out they're totally sealed into this thing so they don't get sick Have you ever seen a a scientist that goes into an environment in a laboratory where there's a highly infectious, bacteria or some kind of poison that they're dealing with, how they're dressed to protect themselves, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're in one of those sealed suits where they have oxygen, they breathe, they don't get any input or output of anything in that room when they go in there. Put that in the context of what Fauci and others like him are telling us. You got to mask up. You got to stay away. You can't get around people. What kind of mask are they telling us to use? Remember, they've told us over and over again this is the worst virus in human history. It has the potential to be worse than any ever previously. And for that reason, we've got to make sure we take care of ourselves. And then they want us to wear a little bitty cotton mask that's not sealed we've published here 13 different control laboratory tests on every type of mask ever put out over the last decade for any kind of medical situation, every one of them. And regarding the COVID-19 virus, not one mask, other than the ones I just described to you, not one other mask is effective at stopping Someone breathing out COVID-19 into the atmosphere that they're in or breathing it in using any of these kinds of masks that they're making us wear. So why the mask? Let me ask you this. Why the mask? It's control. That can be the only other answer. So before we take our next break, let's just go ahead and finish up this segment What about the testing that goes on? You remember from the very beginning, oh, we're working, we've got this test called the PCR test, we're adjusting it, we're getting it just right so we can detect, make sure we know who's got COVID and who doesn't. Well, the one that they came down with, the final one's called an RT-PCR diagnostic panel. That sounds really, really intricate, doesn't it? RT-PCR Diagnostic Panel. Well, in the middle of all of this stuff with Fauci and company telling us about the testing and all the test results coming up, two things I want to talk to you about. First of all, the test that they shoved down our throats 18 months ago, the PCR test that we just told you about, the CDC very quietly are removing their authorization for medical officials to even use the PCR test. Why are they doing that? They say that no PCR equipment can give quantifiable data that would suggest a particular viral load. The use of PCR testing for COVID-19 disease diagnosis is a global scientific host. Despite this, the CDC-approved testing technique was used to create the case-demic delusion, the one that claimed that hundreds of millions of individuals were infected with COVID-19 worldwide. It was false. It still is false. They're phasing it out. Why? Because they've been getting caught over and over and over again. These tests are creating false positives. Now, let me, let me just point something out. The second thing, and we're going to go to our, our break and then change topics. The second thing. Have you heard the furor the last three weeks about, oh, the Delta variant is here. Look at all these case numbers, people getting infected. Well, they're getting tested with the PCR test, the one that they say doesn't work. And what they say it does, it creates false positive tests. But still, they're spouting the numbers of these infections that are supposed to scare us into believing that If you don't get the vaccine, you're going to die. You know what they're not telling us about? Have you noticed this? How many people have died from COVID-19? Weekly, in the last two months, three months, four months. You have no idea, nor do I. They used to cram that number down our throat. Remember, on all the news websites on the front page, there was a red map showed John Hopkins University puts the numbers out every day. It shows how many infections in the U.S., how many people died in the U.S. in the top 25 other countries on earth. They quit giving us that information. So novel idea. We did a deep dive early, early this morning. And instead of looking at case infections infections are bad but folks if we chronicled and made our life-changing decisions based on things that we're exposed to biologically we'd spend all our day we would just live in a bubble we'd be scared to death of everything we couldn't interface or wouldn't interface with anybody but what about the deaths that have happened here in the United States Here's what they're not telling you: As through yesterday, the first August first last year, deaths are down in the United States 42 percent. Deaths from COVID-19 are down 42 percent through yesterday. Now remember, way back whenever they said, "Oh, two weeks, lock down for two weeks, and we'll get on top of this thing." <laughs> I don't want to diminish the severity of this. I don't want to put people in a place of comfort where they they decide they're no longer going to have to be cautious about this. They're not going to have to take some precautions to take care of themselves and think smart and be smart. Here's what's happening around the nation. People are waking up and realizing the stuff they've been telling us in large is false it's obviously skewed towards some political perspective, and they include fear. That's the number one weapon that they have thrown out there. And just when things look like they're going to turn around, when they, they're they talking about numbers and, hey, it's working, it's working, working, you know, then they bring up the Delta variant. And then after they do all that kind of stuff and we're they're having to explain the breakthrough infections— Oh my gosh, they didn't have an answer for it. And the CDC even stopped reporting breakthrough infections on their website. Why would they do that? Because there's no such thing. It's not a breakthrough infection. The vaccines aren't working the way that they said they would. Just like flu vaccines don't work the way they said they would. Half of the people that take vaccines for flu still get the flu. How could that possibly be? Do you think maybe COVID-19 vaccines are in that same classification? Wouldn't it be nice to know that before we are continually forced and shamed into letting some physician or nurse or worker, healthcare worker, put a shot including something in it that hasn't been tested fully? We know it's killed a bunch of people, 11,000, based upon this CDC's on numbers. Anthony Fauci has never mentioned one death, one death from a reaction to any of these COVID-19 numbers. Not one time. Folks, truth is absolute. And if something's not true and they don't call it false, they're lying. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Welcome back to the King
0: Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And
2: I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 Double Crispy Cheesy Burger. Well,
0: hello. With two flame-broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise.
5: Jim
2: from Tucson, you're on the air.
5: Yeah, hi, guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King, I got a new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger for a buck, I couldn't be happier. Oh,
0: congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new Double Crispy Cheesy
2: Burger, the flame-fresh taste? Well, I'll
5: tell you, it had two big flame broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious.
2: Oh, don't forget the price, Jim.
5: Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made.
0: Probably, Jim.
5: Okay, definitely.
0: Yeah, there it is. is. Get the new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger
1: with double the flame-fresh taste.
2: Disruptive may be just another overused buzzword, but disruptions in business like network downtime, data loss, social media abuse, and limited bandwidth are downright disruptive. For businesses large or small, Barracuda Networks offers powerful, affordable, yet easy to implement content security, application delivery, and data protection solutions, all designed to prevent disruptions and simplify IT. For an online demo or to try any of our security or storage solutions risk-free for 30 days, visit barracuda.com disruptive.
1: You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. <gasps> you can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your
2: homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans is the claim-free three-peat. <laughs> get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers.
0: Bum, 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 bum,
1: bum.
2: Now for the legal something.
0: Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers' branded policies subject to terms and conditions Underwritten by farmers, truck, or fire insurance exchanges or affiliate. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org.
1: How have you handled the Tokyo Olympics at your house? Are you all up into the the sports, keeping up with what's going on? I got to be honest with you. I have always been in the tank for the U.S. Olympic teams every two years when the Olympics come around. But this time not so much folks. There have been so many things of the in-your-face stuff. It's kind of like I've gotten about women's soccer. Now let me let me first say this. I've got two granddaughters that are not only soccer players but they're good soccer they're good soccer players and uh, I go to a lot of soccer matches. Uh, it wasn't until my grandchildren started playing that I got into soccer. And so uh, even though I'm a sports nut, always have been, I never knew a lot about soccer, but I've watched it. And then when this stuff started with Rapino a year or so ago in the kneeling and uh, the politicization that took place, and now I turned the television on and I mean, almost every commercial break on TV, especially when you're watching sports programming, there's a Rapino spokesperson uh, in a uh, television ad. It just really makes me uncomfortable. And of course, I, I, I think you may have already heard that uh, the U.S. women and the Olympic team got beat by Canada in the Olympic soccer semifinals. There's not going to be a gold medal chance for the Rapino women's soccer team at these Olympics. They lost one to nothing. It was the first by the Canadians against their U.S. neighbors since 2001. Wow. The second half penalty delivered for Canada as it upset the four-time Olympic women's football champs in Kashima, Tokyo, to read the final for the first time. Canada will now face the winner of the late semifinal in Yokohama between Sweden and Australia. The gold medal match, match is set for Friday at the Olympic Stadium in Tokyo. And again, the women will not be a part of that. So I hate that. I desperately hate that. because Not because of any of the girls, the women that are playing, but because of what that makes the United States look like. So what are you talking about, Dan? You know, everybody's got the right to express themselves, no doubt about it. Of course, today, it's everybody's got a right to express themselves about political things and all that, unless you're a conservative, and then you can't raise the flag. You can't be all in for the United States. You can't sing the national anthem and stand, and you can't have tears trickling down your face in loyalty and patriotism because that makes you look like you're stupid, you're a conservative, you're a MAGA head. And then there's this one that has just really, it's just killed a lot of people from supporting the Olympics. Transsexual. A New Zealand transsexual weightlifter Laurel Hubbard failed today in Tokyo to record A single successful lift in the women's 87-kilogram-plus weightlifting at the Tokyo Olympics this morning. A failed attempt to lift 120 kilograms, two failed efforts at 125 in the snatch, meant that Hubbard has lost, and the Olympics for Hubbard ended early. Hubbard came closest on the second attempt, getting the bar above his head, That's in the story, folks, his head. And I'm sure the writer of this story is going to get busted for that. Anyway, Hubbard came closest on the second attempt, getting the bar above his head and appearing to get credit for the 125-kilogram snatch, but the jury ruled it was not to be. That left one more attempt at 125-kilogram, but Hubbard struggled to stand and drop the bar behind her. Hubbard waved to the crowd, making a heart with his hands, and it was over. And sadly, folks, there are a lot of people that look at this this stuff that I, you know, we don't understand, and there are a lot of people that root for the, uh, for the opponents of the United States and the opponents of anybody that is taking this approach of making what seems to most Americans to be nonsensical— stands for things that are just uh, I got to be the transsexual thing folks no sir and this is from numerous hereditary doctors biologists medical experts of all kinds sex is determined not by choice it's determined by chromosomes and we can't change our chromosomes. No amount of surgery, no amount of hormone treatments is going to change a person's sex. That's not me. I defer to science, and that is the science. So much for that. I'll probably get dinged. <laughs> I'll probably get a phone call. I know I'll get some text and emails. But let's get back to businesses, and we haven't even talked about this in a long time. Do you know that? In the month of July alone, in Chicago, there were 461 shootings. Wow! 461 shootings, which is up an increase over the 402 incidents which occurred in July a year ago. Chicago Police Department noted 614 people were shot in July this year compared to 561 last year. NBC pointed out that the city did see a slight decrease in murders as there were 105 in July of 2021, 107 in July of 2020. However, the number of July homicides was up 139% over July of 2019. One report said at least 27 were people in Chicago were shot Friday into Saturday morning, which were the last couple of days of July. The Chicago Sun-Times explained nearly 50 people were shot by the time the weekend was over. Four of those shooting victims died. At least 70 people were shot the weekend of July 23rd to 25th this year in Chicago, 12 of them fatally. And still, folks, still, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has offered no fix, no help. Chicago police, their hands are tied. They're not getting any support from their administration and Chicagoans are watching as their police force is outmanned almost five to one by gang members. How can a police force, how can a population, how can a citizenry of any city, any town, how can they feel confident they're going to be safe? If these numbers continue to grow and I mean, it's been normalized. Every weekend, there are going to be at least 50 shootings in Chicago, and at least a dozen, 10 to 15 people are going to die from those wounds. Yeah, it's just another weekend in Chi-Town. It's almost like this is a banana republic, a third world country, maybe some in, some country in Africa that's torn with political uproar all the time. It's not. It's the upper Midwest one of America's greatest nations and in one of America's greatest cities. And lawlessness is just taking over week after week after week and nothing is being done. Meanwhile, in the Big Apple, pro-Palestinian protesters over the weekend, they called in a massive demonstration to globalize violent uprisings and their justification for this, they say that violent uprising around the world is the only solution to the Israeli conflict, not the Palestinian conflict, but the Israeli conflict. They had a big demonstration Saturday in New York. It was organized by the Anti-Israel Within Our Lifetime group, and it featured large banners calling to globalize the Intifada, and declaring Zionism as terrorism. Zionism is a uh, an ism. It's one of those out there that claims that the Jewish people, the Israelis, are supreme. And it's not, Zionism doesn't come from the Israeli people. It's detractors from the outside that point to citizens of Israel and say that everybody thinks that in Israel. Not so. The New York protest, the aim was to honor the martyrs of Palestine, which isn't a country, by globalizing the Infantata. We will never stop fighting for Palestine until all of the land is liberated from the river to the sea. That's what they continue to call for. A statement, which is code for eradicating the Jewish state and its millions of Jewish citizens implies that Palestine rests between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, leaving no room for the current state of Israel. Protesters held photographs of some of their alleged martyrs of Israeli military activity, while some waved Palestinian flags, others blocked traffic, and harassed passerbys. Just when you think we've got enough on our plate, (laughs) we hear more and more and more about stuff like this. And it just gets bigger and gets broader and more intense across the board like what's happening down south at our southern border sadly over the weekend it was announced three more border patrol agents working at the eagle pass texas processing center three more tested positive for COVID over the weekend the agents were assigned to not to cover the border folks not to uh interact with and apprehend the illegals coming across the border, but they're in this center where they're told to go now. They're assigned to process migrants that are apprehended in the Del Rio sector, and they were in a soft-sided structure that is currently holding double its rated capacity of these illegal aliens. The total number of Border Patrol agents, according to one source, reached six since Thursday that tested positive for COVID. In addition, at least one Texas Army National Guard soldier working in that Eagle Pass area also tested positive. The source says the facility is rated at 300 migrants due to the pandemic. The facility is currently holding more than 1,000 migrants. Three northern border agents, people from up north on the Canada border, volunteered to come down and help out. Well, they went to Eagle Pass to assist, and they all three tested positive after spending less than a week at the same processing center. It's now reported the total stands at six. It's expected to continue to rise. So Americans, good, hardworking Americans, who answered the call to serve to protect their fellow Americans at our borders, this administration just said, y'all get out there, go on out there, we're not going to test these migrants. We don't have the facilities to do it. We're not going to have to take the time to do it. So y'all just go out there and work and just take care of them in these centers. That's literally what's going on right now. Just imagine if Donald Trump was in the White House. Just imagine if something like this, because this wouldn't happen. That's why I say something like this might would happen on a Trump presidency administration anything that he did that flew in the face of Americans, how would they respond? They would impeach him again. You know that. But Joe Biden, oh, he gets a pat on the back. Great American, great president. He's got it going on. And yet he's putting our own law enforcement people, Joe Biden, exposed them to COVID-19 and others. Don't even think about <laughs> the American people. Because, folks, right after they do this, they they put them on buses, they even put them on airplanes, and they ship them off to towns and cities around the United States and let them go. There is no COVID-19 status ever even given to anybody. They just let them come in, and they ship them out. How many infected Americans are there today because of the Biden administration, directly because of the Biden administration, How many lives are going to be lost from those infections? Innocent Americans are facing death because of this COVID-19 flood across our southern border that our government is not even paying attention to, yet alone doing anything about it. Wow. Meanwhile, we've got some people in government in D.C. that they have, not just you and me at heart, but they have everybody on planet Earth They're all up into climate change and keeping us safe and protecting ourselves, our children, our grandchildren, and multiple generations to come. we got to fix this crisis thing before human beings destroy Mother Earth. Led in part by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Majority Leader in the Senate Chuck Schumer. So they got together for a little hoopla over the weekend, and uh, it was at the House side of the Capitol, had a little get-together with some climate change activists, and Nancy and Chuck, they had a, a few good things to say about what they're doing.
0: Thank you so much for joining us here in person in the nation's capital on this very hot morning or online. My name is Tiernan Sittenfeld, and I'm the Senior Vice President for Government Affairs at the League of Conservation Voters. Of course i personally have a lot to say about the climate crisis but i'm going to keep it extremely brief because we have a truly incredible lineup of climate champions here today including the speaker of the house nancy pelosi and the senate majority leader chuck schumer both of whom are tireless leaders
3: for climate action for the children for the planet for the future of course this is a major major priority uh for the uh Democratic leader of the Senate. It's an honor to welcome him back, always to the House side, where he learned so much about all of this. <laughs> He's not denying it. Much uh, from the Speaker herself, a young no, Congresswoman. He, 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 and I would both agree that we have a great leader in the White House, Joe Biden, a pro-climate champion. Uh, in the White House. With that, I'm very pleased to to, yield to the distinguished champion of saving the planet uh, in the Senate, the distinguished former member of the House, current and future uh, Democratic leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer. Thank
0: you. Future majority leader, as well as current
3: majority,
0: after 2002, (laughs) Yeah. Hold up those signs. Hold them up high. These are the people who care the most. I realized it myself. I ride a bicycle all over New York City. I'm sort of known for that. I'm not a spandex guy. I'm not going at 40 miles an hour. I go slow. I take things in. And wears a helmet. And wears a helmet all the time. Thank you, Madam Speaker. There's just so much that we have to get done. We feel an urgency. We're going to act in a bold and comprehensive way that Joe Biden has so brilliantly put together in his plan. <clears throat> while remembering jobs and justice, economic justice as well. The CCC... The science
2: is clear. We need climate action now. How many folks here actually love your mama? Raise your hand if you love your mama. Everybody look around. You got some cameras. Catch them. Great. I think we've kept you all out here in the yes. heat for yes. <laughs> too
0: long already. Thank you all so much for coming and onward.
1: Great. Oh, my gosh. Does that nauseate you? Can you, um, can you believe here we are and we have the leaders of both houses of Congress in the middle of everything we're dealing with? I mean, people are dying left and right from COVID-19, thousands and thousands of infections, and people are getting it left and right, and a flood at the southern border. 8,000 immigrants were actually apprehended as they came across the southern border this weekend, most of those in Texas alone. And here we are, we're having a little back-slapping fiasco at the Capitol when the House Speaker and the Majority Leader in the Senate get together outside to pat each other on the back. And of course, the biggest thing they can talk about is to tell us what a great job and how important it is for climate change to be taken care of. And this president has included all of the things that are going to make us safe and save Mother Earth for generations to come. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to tell you some of the crap that's in that 2,700 infrastructure bill that's kind of like the invitation they put out there to get sucked in to climate change. But there's more than that, more than what you're going to hear that's to come in the Green New Deal stuff. We're not going to get into Green New Deal today, but just wait until we talk about what's in that 2,702 pages of infrastructure. Don't go anywhere. That's up next here at TNN Live.
2: Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals Scaffolding, rental, and setup. Installation of truck racks, lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher.
0: Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer
1: infrastructure what goes into infrastructure and infrastructure legislation what is it all about what is it supposed to deal with I got to be honest with you, when you say infrastructure Americans, all Americans know what that really means. Infrastructure means our highways, our bridges, our waterways, uh, our railways, including our air travel also, airports, train stations, all those kind of things. That's part of infrastructure, right? Well, they're changing a few things. They had to change it because they needed to fill up 2,702 pages, did the Democrats, in their infrastructure plan. Wow. Now, um, i got to be honest with you. I'm just going to say this. Do you remember when um, Donald Trump wanted to do an infrastructure plan? Do you remember that? Think back with me. Trump came into office. And he shocked Democrats when he came into office back in 2017 when he took the oath of office. Of course, he shocked Democrats in a lot of ways, but what was the big way he did? He promised that he would pass an infrastructure bill. Oh my gosh, Democrats didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to react. And it got worse for them when Trump began courting the unions Those are the entities that represent the folks that would benefit most from the jobs that he wanted to create in his infrastructure package. Well, then Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York cautiously welcomed the idea. California's then-Governor Jerry Brown declared, Amen, brother. But quietly, Democrats, what did they do? They maneuvered to defeat Trump's proposals. They never were even seriously considered. Democrats were terrified. What were they terrified of? Listen to this. They destroyed infrastructure spending in any way in the government for the entire four years of Trump's presidency. And here's the reason why. They didn't want Trump to be identified with any infrastructure spending, something that Democrats, they see that as their own turf. And they have for more than 75 years. Infrastructure? Oh, Democrats are the only ones who give a rip about that. Democrats want Americans to connect middle-class jobs exclusively with federal government spending, which means electing Democrats to spend even greater amounts of money. That desire ran up against the left's regulatory zeal, especially on environmental issues which has stymied infrastructure spending on large scales for years. Trump wanted to get rid of the red tape and the permitting for infrastructure projects. But he also had a bold new idea that Democrats found even more threatening, using the private sector to drive investments. He wanted partnerships, private-public. In 2018, here's an example. Trump proposed a $1.5 trillion infrastructure plan only $200 of which would come from the taxpayers. Think about that. After all, in areas like broadband, the private sector had already shown itself superior to government. The net neutrality in building out the grid makes sense. Tell me one thing. Think about it. What one thing does our federal government do better than it would be done if it was being handled by somebody in the private sector. Name me one. Somebody immediately raises their hand and says, the military, i got to be honest with you folks, when it comes to everything all in, effectiveness, dollars and cents, getting the job done, I guarantee you a private military would be more efficient and would get more done than any military we have now. Republicans controlled both houses of Congress when Trump was elected. Theoretically, passing Trump's infrastructure plan should have been a no-brainer. But the worst-kept secret in D.C. is that Republicans are just about as addicted to federal spending as our Democrats. So, Republicans in the House, and especially the Senate, were not about to endorse a new model for infrastructure that took money out of their control. Midterms, you remember this 2018? Republicans lost the House, and they lost a golden opportunity to do a fiduciarily responsible infrastructure bill. Today they are prepared, just three years later, to accept the terms that Democrats are dictating to them without a border wall, without the Keystone XL pipeline. And with just $110 billion devoted to roads and bridges. Now put that in perspective, folks. The package that is at the Senate to be heard is $1.2 trillion. $1.2 trillion, Of which just $110 billion goes to roads and bridges. Meanwhile, they're not done yet, folks. The left plots an even more expansive infrastructure bill that is going to include $3.5 trillion of excessive spending. $3.5 trillion. That's going to be part B of the Biden infrastructure plan for Americans. The first one, this is the baby, $1.2 trillion. This is kind of just like the appetizer. The meaty one, $3.5 of the big one, is worthless spending. And it's all going places where guess who has a stake in it. You got it. All these politicians, of course, they want more power. <laughs> Why do they want more power? Power begats opportunity, begets money begats more power and begats control. those are big things, big things and uh, the left is all up in it. they call this a bipartisan spending bill. Don't forget now don't forget this Nancy Pelosi she is um, she's not just all up in this one this first baby bill that's coming out there. she uh, this second bill this big one that we're talking about, She's basically said, don't even think about when you get this bill passed in the Senate and it comes over to the House of Representatives, don't even think about doing this little baby one that a lot of Republicans agree with. Don't even think about even bringing that over here unless the second one comes over that's approved by the Senate. If we can't get them all together to come to the House so we can pass them both, we're not going to do either one of them. And she's got a lot of support The squad, AOC and her gang, they feel the exact same way. So even if the Senate passes this first one, according to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, it'll never fly in the House of Representatives without Big Brother. Now, uh, let me just put this whole thing in context. 2,702 pages is the little one. Can you imagine how much documentation there's going to be in the big one? Incidentally, when the show's over today, we're going to post in PDF format the 2702 page bill at truthnewsnet.org on today's story. You'll be able to go get it. And if somebody out there wants to spend time reading all 2702 pages and call in and explain to us what they include in uh, a 10 minute recitation, I'd love to have you do it. But there will be, if they plan on, like they say, to get this voted on in the Senate before the end of this week, not a single person will have read this bill before they vote on it. Kind of like the Obamacare thing happened back. Remember that? Nancy Pelosi came to the podium after they passed it in the House, and she was all giddy when reporter was asking her, well, can you give us a synopsis of what's in the bill? And she laughed and said, oh, we had to pass the bills before we can find out what's in it. Those are the people that are running the country, folks. That's the way they think. It's no big deal. No big deal at all. We're going to do what we want to do, and we're going to tell you what to do, and you're going to be happy with it. If you're not, you better sit down and shut up. Now, this January 6th thing, we haven't talked about it. The, uh, the select committee or panel or whatever Pelosi's calling it in the House, Investigating to get to the bottom of everything that happened on January 6th. And it was so devastating. i got to be honest with you. The the lunacy of this to me is, folks, the U.S. Capitol and the White House have been attacked numerous times throughout our history, numerous times. In fact, burned to the ground before. And uh, we recovered from it in fact in my lifetime in my lifetime those some of those attacks took place back in the 60s and they didn't go after and run people out of the country or arrest them and hold them without bail keep them in solitary confinement before they ever come to trial they didn't do that but put it in the context of what happened january 6th Put that in the context of what's happened over the last year across the nation regarding insurrection and violence and uh, destruction of public and private property by rioters, real legitimate rioters. Put what happened January 6th in the context of that. Nobody was killed except one person on January 6th at the storm of the Capitol. And that was a conservative white woman, a protester that was inside the Capitol building. She was unarmed. And an African-American member of the Capitol Police shot her from the back into the left side of her neck and she bled out on the floor and died. Ashley Babbitt. That's the only person that was killed. Now, you would think that this major report that will come from a group that is representing America's top law enforcement leaders analyzing the widespread riots of 2020 would have gotten some real big-time significant media attention. I would say so. I mean, look at this group that's in Congress today, this committee. I mean, they're getting front-page news and headlines and interviews every day. So you would think that the group that was representing law enforcement in the nation, Topwin, there was one put together across the nation, and they were analyzing all this stuff that happened in 2020, these riots. Both groups should get attention, right? One also would think that such a report like that would garner widespread discussion after the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol because of the parallels between it and those 2020 riots. But because of this environment in which we live, hyper-partisan, we're split right down the middle. You'd be wrong if you thought there'd be a lot of information out there about the Things that happened and the people involved in all the riots last year, because there's nothing out there. Back in October last year, the major cities chiefs, they called it the MCC, it's a group, released a comprehensive report that was full of data from dozens of cities that provides very deep insights into the 2020 riots that plagued America, and it all began Memorial Day 2020 when George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis. The MCC's Report on the 2020 Protest and Civil Unrest. That's what the title of it was. It was an excellent after-action report that cities, states, and the federal government could use to look at the way they're doing stuff and reform them, and equally importantly, to prepare for anything like that would happen again. So, here we go with the ongoing hunt for and the prosecution of those January 6th participants and some recent actions by Speaker Pelosi to veto Republican Kevin McCarthy's choices for that commission, the MCC report has become more relevant than ever. It seems like the left, the Democrats, Pelosi, Schumer, and the rest of them are trying to hide stuff. The sheer similarities and the differences between what happened with and to the participants of the 2020 riots compared to the January 6th riot and rioters, Or to be honest with you, they're pretty shocking. First, the left, its media sycophants, and dead-ender anti-Trump Republican Representative Liz Cheney have spent inordinate amounts of time focused on the fact that the January 6th riot occurred at the Capitol, as if that building alone serves as the sole symbol of our democracy. The left and corporate media have always been supportive when people burn or disrespect the flag— or when left-wingers storm Senate buildings to shut down the process involving appointing conservatives to the U.S. Supreme Court. Remember those hearings? The left-media Cheney outrage would appear far less politically driven if the 2020 rioters didn't also focus, as that MCC report notes, on government buildings and other iconic public buildings, including city halls, Which in our federalist system are equal symbols of U.S. democracy. Here's the little tidbits from the report that talked about it. More than half of major city law enforcement agencies experienced arson incidents during 2020. The individuals who committed these crimes targeted a variety of structures, including government buildings, places of worship, seemingly random stores and businesses. Law enforcement buildings and property were also popular targets. One agency reported dumpsters, trash cans, trees, furniture, and vehicles set on fire. A UPS truck was reported as being looted and set on fire in another place. In many cities, City Hall, as well as other iconic public buildings and federal courthouses, were targets of arson. Several agencies also had police precincts set on fire. Hundreds of police cars significantly damaged throughout the various protests across the U.S. One agency alone reported 300 police cars damaged to include 19 that were fully destroyed in flames. 2,385 looting incidents, 624 arson incidents, 97 police cars burned, 2,037 police officers injured. Now here's a prime example of dissimilar treatment for far worse actions. The January 6th riot involved no guns, no fires among the protesters, only makeshift weapons like flagpoles, batons, and objects from the area. In contrast, the 2020 riots included guns, incendiary devices, Molotov cocktails and even makeshift bombs, lasers, paint bombs, fireworks that were used to torch buildings and cars, hurt police officers, and destroy meaningful parts of many of our cities. Despite the far greater violence and destruction that those riots perpetrated, the Department of Justice and the FBI haven't hunted those rioters down with anywhere near the vigor and vim used against what are in many cases at most trespassers from January 6th. You know what the percentage of agencies that experienced looting incidents were? 62%. Percentage of agencies that experienced arson incidents in 2020, 56%. Percentage of agencies that had police cars burned, 26%. Percentage of agencies that had officers injured, 72%. In stark contrast, the left and the media continue to falsely claim law enforcement officers were killed on January 6th. Some law enforcement officers were certainly injured during that riot. The numbers in severity are far below the law enforcement injuries from the 2020 riots. More than 2,000 law enforcement officers were injured during the 2020 stuff, with numerous of them being shot, and one, retired Captain David Dorn, brutally murdered while protecting his friend's shop from rioters. The 2020 rioters also shot other protesters. The only person killed January 6th violently was Ashley Babbitt. We've also seen the stories about the national coordination that led up to the January 6th riot among a couple of far-right groups and their members. According to the MCC report, though, the 2020 rioters appear to engage in far more detailed and comprehensive national coordination, as evidenced by a similar pattern emerging in city after city. The pattern involved peaceful protesters timing activities in the late afternoons that allowed rioters the opportunity to engage in looting, violence, and arson when the sun went down example, the weekend of May 29th to the following Monday, June 1st, was by far the most violent for many major city law enforcement agencies. These events had thousands of people in attendance, including groups with suspected violent extremist ideologies. Prepared and coordinated resistance was reported by some agencies. Similar tactics, such as the use of arson, looting, barricades, caravans, and specific types of weapons were seen in in major cities across the nation. It was the same step, the same paraphernalia. The timing of them all happened identically from city to city. Protesters seemed to coordinate their movements and actions on those days as if the violence and tactics were pre-planned. For example, across the U.S., major city law enforcement agencies reported peaceful protests beginning in the early to late afternoons and violence beginning when the sun went down. A bunch of ink has been spent detailing far-right extremists involved in the January 6th riot with the heads of the DOJ, FBI, Homeland Security, and even the U.S. Department of Defense, claiming that right-wing extremists are the biggest threat to the nation. Yet little or no ink has been spent detailing far-left extremists involved in the 2020 riot who unequivocally did far more damage and engaged in far more violence than what happened on January 6th. Finally, as January 6th rioters and even those present that day who only nonviolently entered the Capitol, they're being hunted down, charged aggressively, left in jail for months on end, no bail hearings even. The 2020 rioters have not been similarly hunted down and charged. Even worse, They're being let go with no penalties or with mere wrist slaps after Vice President, then Senator Kamala Harris and her Hollywood buddies raised money to cover the bail of all those 2020 rioters that were arrested. No judge ordered the 2020 rioters to endlessly rot in jail. Lady Justice is supposed to be blind. That's what I've always heard. That's why statues show her blindfolded. Her blindfold clearly has been removed here in the U.S. by our government, folks. The approach to and the outcomes for the 2020 rioters as compared to the January 6 rioters vividly highlights America's justice system now has two standards of justice based on the party affiliation of the prosecutors and the alleged perpetrators. Left-wing rioters wisely did their acts in cities controlled by Democrats and with Democrat district attorneys who were soft on them. In contrast, those who rioted in January 6th in D.C. had the great misfortune of being in a jurisdiction controlled by anti-Trump Democrats, zealously left-wing U.S. attorneys looking to impress their fellow leftists. Folks, there are a couple of hundred people that are in jail in D.C. They've been there for months, some of them, and they only get to see sunshine one hour a day. Some of their family members and attorneys don't even know where they are. 200. This is the United States of America. That's not supposed to happen here, folks. It's not supposed to happen. But it is. What are we going to do about it? where we're going to keep peeling back the layers and getting you more facts. That's a wrap on Monday, August 2nd here at TNN Live. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow morning. See you then.